Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Today we're going to continue in our series, Soul Detox. How many have been loving this Soul Detox? And uh, we started just this past Wednesday a new series with Bishop Jamie Engelhart called Metamorphosis. Wasn't that awesome? Just a little bit deeper into the soul. I'll tell you, the soul is what it's all about. You know, when we awaken to who we are in Christ, the spirit awakens and we're wall-to-wall God. There's no issue between God and us. But you know, this journey of life, (laughs) it's, it's all about the mind, the will, and emotions, the soul, isn't it? And if we're not honest with ourselves, then there's no way to have healing transpire in that. And how many know that Jesus wants to heal us? He's our healer, not just physically, but in our soul. And I even believe that there's a lot of things that we deal with physically that come out of the soul realm. And all of us have a certain level of toxicity in the soul, amen? If you want to follow along, you can do so on the screens. Also, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone or smart device, you can open up that app, go to the More tab, select Events, and right at the top, you should see Faith City Church, Michigan Campus. The notes are in there already for you. You can take your own notes and, and save it for further reference. In the past couple of weeks, we've seen the effect of having toxicity in our soul. And uh, I love what Bishop had said last week, visiting and helping us in this series, when he says, it leads us to a carnal mind, a rebellious will, and warped emotions. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we can all say we have a little bit of that going on in our mind, will, and emotions, right? But here's the thing. There's no healing that will ever come from hiding. Healing will not transpire if we try to hide out and pretend to be okay. I mean, no, we're not all okay. And it's okay to admit that. Now, I know there's some circles that say, well, where's your faith? You know, it's easy to walk into a building and, and someone says, hey, brother, how you doing? And we go, blessed and highly favored, like, like it's automatic. And I'm okay with speaking to those things that are not as though they are. But sometimes, maybe we need to have someone that we trust. We trust their heart. We can say, I'll be honest with you, stuff really sucks right now. Stuff is not going the way I had anticipated. My work, my marriage, my kids, ugh. I seem to be falling apart. And then then we can be open. And the Bible says, confess your faults to one another so healing may come. It's not going, oh my God, groveling around. I'm this horrible sinner saying, listen, I have issues in my life. I call it stuff. I have stuff in my life and I need help. Can you help me pray through this? Can you help me to see what God is trying to show me in the midst of this adversity, in the midst of this trial? Amen? Now, last week, Bishop specifically addressed our thinking. We talked about this idea that toxic thoughts lead to toxic actions. So today, I want to talk from this idea of toxic words. Say that with me, toxic words. I think that the words that come out of a person's mouth is a real good gauge of where their soul is. And so I'm not saying that we fake it. I'm all about faith and speaking good things, but we also have to be transparent and honest with those we can trust and say, I'm going through issues. If it starts with God, start with him. God, I have issues, as if he didn't know already. But it's good. It's, it releases something from your soul when you say, God, I, I have this issue in this area. I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to this thing or that thing, and I always seem to respond this way, and I have these triggers that set me off, and I don't know why I need healing. Being honest with God is a big deal. How do these toxins build up? Well, I think it's through exposure. Think of it like this, as humans, we have senses that allow things, whether life-giving or toxic, into our soul. So every day as we go through, I talked about that sliver. Remember the, the splinter or sliver that I got actually two times in the same place in the same week? And so when I got it, I, I asked my wife, because I'm a big, strong, handsome man, honey, would you take it out, please? And so she took the splinter out, but the process of getting the splinter out was uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy the process. In fact, one, I let it go so long that the skin started to grow over it, and she had to pick at it say, ooh. You know, we had to work on it, but once it came out, oh, it was like a breath of fresh air. It felt so much better to have that out. See, this is how God deals with us in our soul. We have toxic issues. We pick up splinters or slivers in life, and he says, will you allow me to work on that in your life? And as I do, it might be uncomfortable because you have to be honest. It might be hard because you have to be open, but if you are, I promise you there's healing on the other side of this. 
but God is love. He doesn't force himself into our life. He says, will you let me? And we have a choice to make. It's a yes or a no. Amen. So let's talk about that today. Toxic words. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to look into your word, to hear from the word of God, Jesus Christ, the living word. I pray that as we go through scripture today and these ideas that, that repentance would transpire, that means mind change. We would change our mind about who you are, how you operate, and then who we are and how we should look, how we should operate. We thank you for these things, Holy Spirit. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So two words for you this morning. Blooper reel. Now, how many love movies here? Some are like, am I supposed to go to movies? Yeah, yeah, just, you know, you can go to a movie. It's okay. You know, whenever we buy movies, my favorite part is I go right to the extras and I look for the blooper reel. How many love bloopers? Isn't it cool? They used to have a show when I was a kid on TV called, uh, I think it was TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes. It was hosted by Ed McMahon and Dick Clark. And uh, it was cool because you got to see people in a different way, a different element than what you're used to seeing. They would play a character. I think one of my favorite things is to, to watch the movie first and then I love it when maybe there was a really intense scene where, you know, the, the arch enemies were, were face to face and something was going on. And then they, they show in the blooper reel where the scene's going on and it was all intense in the movie. And all of a sudden the guy forgets his line or he says something. They start laughing together and you kind of go, oh my gosh, they're, they're just actors. Now I knew that. It wasn't like until I saw the extras. But you go, wow, they're just, they're just actors. They're playing a role. They're just a character within a role. But it's so cool to me to see them go, wow, they're just a real human just like me. They're just playing a part. You know, I think a lot of times this idea filters into the church. It filters into Christianity. I mean, these actors, I mean, they do an awesome job at selling the characters so much that when you see the bluebirds, like, oh my gosh, okay, okay, that's not who they really are. But see, in the church, what we do is this idea of faking it till we make it. And I'll be honest, I used to preach sermons that would help people fake it. I would say, basically, in a nutshell, get your act together. Have you heard that sermon before? Get your act together. But here's the problem. We're not actors. We're not supposed to be actors on the stage of life, especially with our Heavenly Father and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not supposed to act, but yet we walk into church buildings, broken in areas, hurt, needing healing, and we act and pretend like it's all okay. What if we were to live life as if it were a blooper reel? What I mean is, be true to yourself. Be who you really are. I'm not saying when you, you walk in, you're just nasty and mean to people. I'm talking about being open and transparent, especially to those you can trust. I mean, you should have circles of friends. You know, there's that inner circle of people you can trust with your heart. You got to be careful with that. Amen. But even if you don't have a friendship like that, you do have a friend that sticks closer than the brother, and his name is Jesus, and he's real, and he's with you, and he made a promise, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you, I will never forsake you. Even if you're in the ditch of life at your worst point in life, he's there with you. When you turn over, you're like, oh, Jesus, you're here? He's like, yeah, I promised I'd never leave. Now, are you ready to get out of this ditch? Are you ready for me to heal those areas in your soul? Because I want to. I desire to. And I will take as long as it takes. I'm not going anywhere. Someone needed to hear that today. Jesus isn't going anywhere. Pastor, but you don't know the addiction I have. I don't. But he does. And he chose to stick with you. Not because he just got it. Because he's love. Because you're his son. You're his daughter. And he loves you. I would do anything to help my kids in any situation I could. Even if they were in the wrong, I don't disown them. I don't kick them to the curb. They are my family. Someone's got to hear this today. You're in the family of God. You're in Christ. He's not going anywhere. Even when we go away, we run away. He chases us down because his love is reckless. We sang that this morning, right? It doesn't make sense. Love doesn't make sense. Jesus on a cross, humanity pouring out wrath upon him, pouring all our sin into him, murder, hatred, and he says, forgive them. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way of the kingdom. Amen?
So we have to see that. And I don't know who that was for this morning, but you, you got to stop discounting yourself and saying, I don't know if I'm quite in or out. You are in Christ and he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. If you're in areas of your life that you want to see healed and whole, you need to turn to him and say, there you are. You've always been there. Will you help me? This is why we can't act. We can't pretend. We have to be open, honest, and transparent. Amen? It makes me think about when, when you walk into a church, it's like we know the verbiage, right? You ever been to a play? Has anyone been in a play? Or, or you see behind the scenes of a show, and then someone's getting ready to say their line, and the next person, they, they forget, and they go, uh, line, line. It's like a lot of times, you know, we get so overwhelmed with life, and things are happening, and then we go, I don't know what to say, line, line. When the Holy Spirit's saying, just be open, be honest, be who you are. Admit that you're going through stuff. It is okay. Say, it's okay, it's okay. to go through stuff. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. We'll look at verse 45. I love these words of Jesus. He says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Now listen to this. For out of the abundance of the what? Heart his mouth speaks. I said this earlier, we can usually gauge where our soul is or, or the toxic level in which it is by the words coming out of our mouth, right? Eugene Peterson says it like this in the Message Bible, it's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Why? Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. It's important that we see that every word and every action isn't who we are. Who you are is who you are in your spirit. But you know, when, when Bishop Jamie was here, he had this beautiful illustration of when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, what happened? It says the veil was rent in two. You're talking about a veil, it was three, four, five foot thick. It was about 60 foot high. It was rent in two from top to bottom because man had nothing to do with it, right? So the veil was rent. It was symbolism for what happened in us. The veil that we had over our heart. You know, when it says that your spirit's dead, it means that your spirit was asleep. So the veil is removed, your spirit's awoken, and all of a sudden your spirit and soul, they start to come together and fuse together, just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, I love what he said. Bishop said that they were triune beings, but they were also bipartite, which means their spirit and soul worked together. With the, it was spirit-driven. They worked together and carried around the body. When sin came in, a veil went over the soul, and what happened? Suddenly they started to operate from the soul as a body carrying around the spirit. So they weren't operating correctly. Jesus came to change that, to remove the veil so we could say, oh, this is what life is like. Wow, this is so great. So, so can we do this together? And Jesus is like, absolutely, let's do life together. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us this, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. See, words are important. Actions are important. But what we think about ourselves will determine the words and the actions that we do. We could really say this, how we act, how we treat others, how we see God, and ultimately the words we speak come from the heart. So here's a question. What do you think about yourself? <laughs> Tough question, isn't it? One of the hardest things for me is to look in the mirror and actually tell myself that I'm pleasing to God, that I am holy, I'm other set apart because I'm just like him, he's my daddy. To say that I'm accepted by God. Those are hard things to look at yourself and say because you know the things you did and thought. But I'm telling you the only way those will change is if we see ourselves as who we really are, amen? How about this question, what does God think about you? You don't have to answer out loud. Because I'll tell you, I could, I could pull 100 people and I would get all different answers there. And most of them would not be, he loves me. He cares for me. He's my dad. He's good to me. He's a giver of good gifts. We get all kinds of wacky doctrines and theology and stuff because we don't see scripture through the lens of Jesus Christ. Just look at the life of Christ and that's God. He came to show us the heart of the Father. What did Jesus do? He always was forgiving sin. He was full of forgiveness, right, and healing. He was always looking for ways to bring people together and say, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. In fact, when he left, he said, I'm sending my spirit back. 
So he never even left. This is the heart of God towards us. Now, some of us may say, well, because I, I struggled for years with this idea of heart, so I want to set this up just a little bit, this idea of heart. I used to think the heart was my spirit. But over and over and over in the scriptures, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, it's pertaining to that center seat, that soulish realm, that mind, that will, and emotions. And I love this in Ezekiel. God says through the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. See the difference? I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now this word put and this word give mean entrust. He's saying, I will entrust you with a new heart. I will entrust you with a new spirit. You know, we've heard a lot of messages about, do you trust God? But do you realize that God trusts you? You ever had a situation in your home, those of you who have kids or have children, where you would trust them to follow through and do it correctly? It could be, I want your room cleaned by 4 o'clock today. You trust them to do that. No, they don't always follow through. We don't always follow through, but nonetheless, God trusts us. Do you know that? God trusts you. And for some of us, I used to walk around and go, I know I'm untrustworthy. And at the very same time, he's saying, I'm not saying that about you. You're saying that about yourself. It's like the idea of God is our enemy. But Paul says, we were enemies of God in our what? Minds. According to God, we were never enemies. He was our enemy in our mind. That's what we thought. That's when the veil was over our hearts. It was between our heart and spirit. So now that veil has been lifted. But how many know that life is all about lifting veils? I mean, that's what we do in this process. But what's interesting here, he says that he will, he will pull out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This heart of stone in the Hebrew refers to stone tablets. So it's a heart or soul that's under law. He's saying no longer will you have a heart that's under law. I will now give you a new heart that's under grace and new covenant. In fact, you're not going to live life by a letter of law. You're going to live life by love. What commands did Jesus give? Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Right? What? Love yourself? Yeah, absolutely. We should love ourselves. Love God, love neighbor, love self. And then he says, love others as I have loved you. Without a show of hands, how good are you doing at that, right? You know, people say, oh, this is great, yeah, preaching love. Can you get on to something different? And I'm like, well, how you live in it? Because I know in my life, there's recesses and areas where I don't always respond in love. I don't treat people in love. I don't love as Christ loved me, which is unconditionally with no strings attached. Now, he's working on me. And the more that I realize his love towards me, it says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. When we allow him to initiate, what do we do? We respond to that love. So we begin to love God because he's so good. I'll drive down the road sometimes and just be in tears and say, Daddy, you are so good to me. But it wasn't always like that. But when he starts to reveal his love to you, you're like, you are so good. What things have you been doing in my life that I don't even see to work things together for my good? In fact, you're not even saying, hey, hey, where's your love? Where's your love? You're saying, let me love you, and then you shall love me. When we hear those shalls, what he's saying is, you will. My love is so good. When you actually experience it, you will love me and you will love neighbor. Isn't that beautiful? But are we experiencing that love? So it's, it's, instead of having a heart that's under law, it's a heart of flesh, which is our new heart, under grace in a new covenant. In this heart of flesh, it just means a pliable, open heart. The message translation says a God-willed, not self-willed heart. That's what God gives to us. I love it. He goes on in verse 27. He says, I'll put my spirit in you. Now, this is beautiful. Not only does he awaken that spirit, make it just like him, 100% God, wall to wall, remove veils between spirit and soul so we can start to walk this out. He also gives us his spirit to indwell us, just like the temple, right? Remember the tabernacle, the temple in the Old Covenant? Now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he says, why would he do this? And make it possible for you to do what I tell you to do. See, whenever we see commands or what God tells us, we instantly go, oh, it's, it's got to be something really bad and really hard and really horrible. <laughs> no, Jesus said the love as I've loved others. So if you filter everything through that love, if that's your foundation, 
You'll do the right thing. You won't steal from somebody. You're not going to cheat and lie. You're not going to cheat on your spouse. You're not going to pull up that website. Why? Because I love. And love is saying, I do not do this. This is what love doesn't do. And this is what love does do. Does that make sense? And so it's this new heart that he gives us. We receive a new heart and a new spirit. So God has made all things new. But it's a journey of the removing of veils. Say that with me. Removing of veils. How how many would admit that you probably have some veils over your heart that need to be removed? That's what this journey is all about in every facet of the soul. And then what happens is your spirit and your soul start to come together closer and closer where you're led by the spirit and it flows through your soul and you're carrying around this body and you're doing what Jesus did. You're spreading love, peace, unity, all of a sudden, color doesn't matter, culture doesn't matter, lifestyle doesn't matter. Now you go, well, it's got to matter. No, no, it matters in that sin brings consequences. But I've learned something a long time ago. Me going around like this, I call this the Christian middle finger, is not going to change people's hearts. When you love them and you, you just unveil their heart to the love of God, all of a sudden, they'll spend a month and two months and three months. This is what's happened in my life. And I go, you know what? Um, that's not the best thing for me to do anymore. And you start to make changes in your life. But we're like, you need to change now. And when you prove it, then you can be a member. You can be accepted. Well, we'll take your money, even if you're not a member. But, you know, I'm just saying, you can be a part of the, the fold, part of the, you know, flock. How about we just accept people where they are and believe that the Holy Spirit is big enough and good enough to work in people's lives, to show them some error in the way they think, because the reason we do what we do is because the way we think. Does that make sense? You guys okay? You with me this morning? So here's really what it comes down to. We have a brand new heart, but our mind still has old thought patterns old habits and addictions that need deliverance, healing, and wholeness. You know, the apostle tells us that we're to work out our salvation. Does he say work for? No. Mm -mm. He says work out. See, God's already put it in us. What is salvation? It's wholeness, healing, preservation, safety, deliverance. See, I think too often we've made it about the sweet by and by and afterlife, and we told people one day, there's, there's hymns out and songs, some glad morning. You know, it's like one day everything will be okay. And God's saying, no, I made everything okay right now. But will you accept it? Will you believe it? That doesn't mean every circumstance is okay. But even through those circumstances, we can have peace. Even when someone's not lovely, we can share love to them. Even when someone's not gracious, we can be gracious toward them. How? We work out what he's worked in. The fruit of the spirit, the good works. I mean, he's already put it in. It's almost like it's rigged, but don't tell anybody. He says, I give you a new heart. I awaken your spirit. Here's good works. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, favor, self-control. Wow, we could all use a little of that, right? But you have it. We just need to awaken to what he's already worked in, and then we get to work it out. It's so beautiful. So more specifically for today, what words are you listening to or speaking to yourself and to others? In Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 17, the Apostle Paul writes, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives. Why? Because they have closed their minds and harden their hearts against him. Here's the sad thing. Sometimes we misrepresent the Father's heart. We, we distort his face to people. And so people think God is someone he isn't, and so then they harden their hearts. They close their minds to him. I, I, think, I think it's time that the church, the body of Christ, starts to present the Heavenly Father like he really is without fear that people are going to go off the rails and, oh, they'll have a license to sin. Well, I'm telling you what, people are doing plenty of sinning without licenses. It's not like we're handing them out guest service. Hey, do you want to sin? I don't know I have a license. We got them right here, bro. $22.95. Well, no one needs a license. But what's going to stop us from that? It's the spirit of grace. It's grace that teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. But if people can't even accept that God is for them, they won't accept the life he's made for them. Amen. Amen? 
This idea of being full of darkness, it's lacking understanding. It's not knowing who we really are. But do you notice that it's by choice? I love this in the Mirror Bible. It says, my most urgent appeal to you in the Lord is this. You have nothing in common with the folly of the empty-minded masses. The days of conducting your lives and affairs in a meaningless way are over. The life of their design seems foreign to them. Do you hear that? The life of their design. How many know we have a blueprint for our life that was, that was constructed by God? He's saying the life of their design seems foreign to them. It's like, no, wait, that doesn't make sense. That's how I'm supposed to live? Why? Because their minds are darkened through a hardened heart ruled by ignorance. They are blinded by the illusion of the senses as their only reference, stubbornly wearing a blindfold in broad daylight. The only difference between those of us who are here this morning and someone who isn't is that we are starting to realize that God is for us. We're starting to realize that the only way to live life is in him. So what if our gospel message was to tell people that you've been reconciled and brought into favor? In fact, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What if that was our message? God loves you. He cares for you. Will you accept that he wants you as part of the family? I don't know. I heard he was angry. He's not. He's actually happy. And he's chasing you down, not because he's angry and mad, because he loves you and he wants you to know that you're his son and you're his daughter. This is his heart towards humanity. The church needs to get that same heart towards humanity, don't we? It's kind of this, okay, what am I going to say today? I've got to make sure they clean up their lives. It's not up to you. Can I just say that? It's not up to you. It's the Holy Spirit. Someone convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. You can convince them with scriptures and verse and you can scare the hell out of them and say turn or burn and all this stuff. All it does for most people is it fears them into the kingdom and they live a whole life of fear, fearing their father. What if, what if? What if you're born of love? God loves me right where I am, but he loves me so much he won't make me stay there. He will work through this soul realm to start to help me renew my mind. Romans 12, 2, we're transformed, right? Transfigured metamorphosis we're changed by the renewing of our mind. It's really, this is the whole, this is what our whole life is. It's trading out lies for truth. Real simple. Because there's a lot of things I've realized. There's a guy named Nate Blouse. We're going to have him in here this year. And he has a ministry called The Safe Place. When I first heard about it, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. But Pastor Chris and I think, well, let's, we're going to do a session with this guy just to see what it's about. But I'm telling you what, it's amazing what would happen is, He's kind of like when I had the splinter taken out of my finger. You know, the, the tweezers are what actually took the splinter out. Kristen was just a facilitator of that, right? So what Nate does is he just facilitates the Holy Spirit showing us things in our life. You know, those first 12 years when we get these thought patterns and these ideas, and a lot of them are lies that we believe are truth about ourselves. So what happens is the Holy Spirit might bring you somewhere to a, a point in life because you go, why do I act that way? What is that trigger that sets me off? And he'll bring you back to a place you go, oh my gosh, I, I, I had buried that so deep, I forgot that that happened in my life. And then he'll show you in such a way that you can forgive the person maybe who violated or hurt you, your trust, things like that. But see, it's more than that. It's seeing Jesus telling you who you really are. You're not unworthy. You are good enough. You are acceptable. I really love you. I believe in you. That person may have said they don't believe in you. You'll never amount to anything. You don't matter. You're worthless. But what does Jesus say? And so Jesus is able to heal those areas. It's all about the soul, folks. Whenever we react out of anger or something triggers us, there's something there that isn't right. I'm not trying to get all psychological on you, but this mind is powerful. That's why Romans 12, 2 says that we are transformed. We are literally changed into someone else who we're supposed to be by the renewing of our minds. Do you follow me so far? And so Nate's going to come later this year. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's amazing. There's such a freedom that comes when those recesses of your soul are completely healed and you detach emotion from a lie and you receive truth and you're really healed and you suddenly start walking out and going, wow, uh, th this is coming up, but it's not affecting me the same way. Why? Because you're healed. You no longer believe a lie. 
That's what God is trying to do through the Holy Spirit. It's a constant mind renewal. Don't believe the lies about yourself. Believe the truth that I'm telling you about yourself because that's who you really are. Amen? Toxic words are deadly. Again, we can gauge our soul in the toxicity based on uh, you know, our words and what's coming out of our mouth or even people who speak those words towards us. Mother Teresa said, Words which do not give the light of Christ increase the darkness. Whenever we tell ourselves or we hear from others words that that aren't bearing or giving the light of Christ, it brings darkness and confusion and ignorance. And we go, why do I respond this way? Why do I act this way? Why do I see myself this way? I know what the Bible says, but sometimes we need the word of God living to speak to our hearts and say, this is who you are. Proverbs 18, 21, it says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And I love this. It says, you choose. So we, we have a choice to make. Will we accept or say words that kill? Will we accept or say words that give life? In Psalm 141, the psalmist says this, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The psalmist got it. He understood how powerful words were. The words you speak choose your life's direction, the way that you want to go in life. Speak words that take you where you want to go. Now, some of us hear this, and I know there, there's been certain you know, tribes of Christianity that have taken this thing to a weird level about, you know, if I say it 43 and a half times, then it will be so, and then we're trying to figure out the formula. Listen, that's magic. God isn't a magician. But what you speak matters. Many times when we need to speak to those things that are not as though they were because we're only speaking what God says about us. Confession means to say the same thing. Are you saying about yourself what God's saying about you? I'm not always doing that. Just little things. It just comes out. Oh, I'm such an idiot. And God's like, don't talk about my son like that. Don't talk about my daughter like that. I mean, if someone looked at your son or daughter and called them an idiot, do you think you'd have something to say to them? Don't you think God's the same way with us? Stop talking about yourself like that. You're not an idiot. You have the mind of Christ. Amen? Your destiny is dependent on your words. So here are three questions we need to ask when considering our words. We're going to close with this. Three important questions we need to ask when considering our words. Number one, what is God saying to you? Big question. What is God saying to you? Now, for some people, this might be a tough one. I mean, does God really speak? I mean, I, I believe he does speak. I believe he speaks through the scriptures. I believe he speaks through others. I think he's still inspiring people in his word, the, the word of God, the living word of God. Jesus is inspiring people, and they write books and things that, that will help us. But I also believe that God speaks to us. He speaks to our heart through our spirit. And I often say this, but I want us to understand this isn't something weird. This isn't something like, woo. For some of us, we hear a voice. Man, what was that, Lord? It's a still, small voice. For others, we feel. That's kind of how I operate. I, I just feel something that's it's wooing me a certain way, or I just feel like this is the way I should go. And I know when it's my mind or when it's God speaking to me. Sometimes it might be, you know, a vision or a picture. You're like, oh, okay, wow. Like you might be going through the day and you get this picture of someone in your mind and you're like, what's that about? And you just feel like, I should pray for him. God is always speaking. But how is God speaking to you? What is God saying to you? What is he saying about you? In Matthew 4, 4, I love this, this whole story here. This is when Jesus had just been baptized. He came up out of the water and a voice from heaven said, behold, my son, my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Well, immediately he went out to the desert. And so the Holy Spirit's with him, working through him, working through some soul things, trying to get some understanding. And the devil has this temptation. Jesus is hungry. He's there for 40 days in the wilderness. And he says, hey, Jesus, uh, there's some stones right there. You want to turn those stones into bread? Look what Jesus says. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every what? Word that what? Proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now this, this word, word, say word, 
This word, word, in the Greek is the word rhema. It's a living word. It's, it's for right now. It's for you. It's in this space, in this place right now. The definition goes on to carry this idea. It's a declaration of one's mind made in words. So when God speaks, he's declaring what he thinks about you to you. And how many know it won't be condemnation? It won't be condescending. It won't be putting you down. Well, what about the discipline? Oh, yeah, the Lord disciplines. He disciplines me quite often. I had a pretty rowdy soul for a long time. But it's never him trying to put me down. He doesn't punish me for my past. True discipline is training for the future. So he's always showing me who I really am so then I can walk in what he's called me to walk out. Does that make sense? So it's not punishment for the past. Now, I've been guilty of that as a dad. I'm going to punish you because you embarrassed me in front of those people at the mall. Well, that's not proper discipline. Proper discipline is to show them, train them for their future so they act differently. Why? Because there's consequences to our actions. We hurt others when we say that or do that. Does that make sense? But what Jesus is saying here is he's saying we are to live by every word that proceeds. That word is a living word. It's a declaration of who you are. It goes on to say the word by which something is commanded. That word commanded means authority. So when God speaks to you about who you are, he says it with authority. He also says it directly. It's straight. It's unswerving. It's who you are. I'm not changing my mind. It also means enjoin, something that is enjoined. That means to instruct and encourage. So let me say this. When God speaks to us, it should always be what God thinks about us, which is good things. It's going to come through in such a way that there's authority behind it. He's declaring it in your life. He's straight with it. He's direct with it. It's unswerving, and it's always for instruction and encouragement. You need to hear this because I've not always got it right. I've not always preached it right, but if you leave a church service feeling condemned and like you're less than, let me say something, that wasn't God. Now I say that coming from a background where I used to think, wow, that was a good service. Why? I feel like total crap. Yeah, I suck, man. I got a lot to work on and a lot to do. What? So God tells you that you're a piece of crap? And that you suck? Could you hear that out of God's mouth? See, see, we can tell people that, hey, there's your action, there's your action, there's your action. And we can say, no, no, this is who you are. You're pleasing, you're acceptable, you're righteous. So let's act like it. Doesn't mean there isn't discipline, but it's how we discipline. This is tough as parents. I mean, sometimes we just get mad and angry and we just belt out and we say things. And maybe we grew up in that atmosphere. So we say, well, God must be the same way. He's a father. He's a mother, however you want to look at it, right? He's got all those attributes, by the way. But we look at it and go, well, then he just, he must get angry sometimes and he'll just lash out at me. But the truth is, he's there to encourage, to exhort, to show you who you really are. So then you will start to act like who you really are. When I say act, I don't mean we're pretending. We're actually, it's like this, this flow that just happens. It, it sounds weird, but in my own life, as I came to this place and realized how good God was and who I was in him, a lot of the things that I used to put a list together and say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, I'm going to just try to love God a little more. I'm going to try to go to church and read some more Bible. Hey, go to church, love God, read the Bible. Great things to do. But when you put that, that onus on you, that willpower on you, it only will last for so long. But when I started realizing, I started leaning on him, not my own understanding, leaning into his goodness, all of a sudden I look back two months and go, oh my gosh, I, I haven't done that. I haven't said that. I haven't been thinking that. I haven't treated my wife like that. I, now, again, it's not perfection. We're going to fall. We're going to mess up, right? But I'm telling you, the way to change those actions and those words in our life are by depending on him, and his word to us is always a good word. What is God saying to you? I love this quote, Jesus, when he quotes this, that man shall not live by bread alone. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, how many are familiar with the Israelites, the children of Israel? Well, they wandered around for about 40 years in the wilderness. They wandered around and they were hungry, just like Jesus was hungry. And what did God do? He provided for them. What did he provide for them? Manna. But you know that word manna, 
It wasn't a name they gave to it. Like, oh, sweet, we got some banana bread today. This is awesome, God, thanks. It wasn't like we're gonna call it this or name it this. It simply means in Hebrew, what is it? So they're walking out of the tent saying like, we shall name thee manna. They went, oh my gosh, what is that? What is it? That's all they were saying. Do you notice they weren't saying, what was it? They're saying, what is it? I believe that they called it manna because it was something new and different every day. Just like his mercies are new every morning. It was a fresh word of encouragement to him every day. And Jesus is saying, listen, we can live according to all these earthly things and stuff, but I'm telling you the true way to live is every day you wake up saying, God, what is it for today? It gets to be fresh and new because our relationship is fresh and new every single day. We live by that word. It's the proceeding word. I love what Bishop said. It's not the preceding word. It's the proceeding word. How many are familiar with the story of Isaac and Abraham? We call it the sacrifice of Isaac. I love the Jews. They actually call it the binding of Isaac because he wasn't sacrificed. And that's another story for another day. But God was just trying to show Abraham that he's not a God that takes human sacrifice. That was the whole lesson that Abraham learned. But here's the beauty of this. Abraham got a proceeding word from God that says, take your son and offer him. And even in the Hebrew, the way it's said, God wasn't commanding or demanding. He was saying it like this. Abraham, do you trust me? Would you do this? I believe Abraham could have said no. But Abraham said yes, proceeding word for the day. So they journey out. Eventually, here's Abraham. He's got a knife up over his son. He's bound. He's ready to, to, to take him out. And then another word comes and says, stop. I provided the sacrifice. Now, what would have happened if he would have lived on the preceding word and didn't listen to the proceeding word? But see, many of us are constantly killing our Isaacs because we hear one word and we're living off it and we're not looking for something new every day saying, God, what is it you're speaking to me today? Because he wants to be with us. He wants to be active in our life. He wants us to be included in the gospel. And he's saying, will we every day live together and do life together? Isn't that beautiful? So what is it that God is saying to you? Number two, what are others saying to you? This is an important one. What are others saying to you? In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23, it says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Look at this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What kind of words are others saying to you. I think we need to think that through. Be careful of who and what you allow to be spoken into your life. Now, it's not some voodoo, taboo thing, but we just read in Proverbs that words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You get to choose. Let me say this today. You might be in a relationship where you need to choose to separate yourself from that person. Does it mean we don't love them anymore? No, of course not. But it's okay to say, no, you will not abuse me verbally anymore. And if you're in a relationship where you're being abused verbally and physically, I suggest you leave. Because love doesn't say, I love you so you can beat me up. Love says, I love you, but I love myself so much that I'm not going to stay in this situation right now. So we have a choice here. There might be people in life, man, it's just, it's toxic. It's just constantly negative. We can probably all name someone. We're not going to do that. Like, my gosh, that person just brings in. I'll go in the room and they just suck the life right out of me. You don't have to be with those people. Maybe someone else is to be the light to their life, but maybe you aren't. Do you hear me? I'm not saying we kick people to the curb, but sometimes we need to separate ourselves. What kind of words are people speaking into your life? Now, you might say, well, this person's my boss. This person I work with, I really can't get away. Okay, then maybe you need to take a little more time throughout the day or the evening or the morning to remind yourself and hear God's proceeding word for the day so that when you get in that situation, you can go, oh, lie, 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 lie. Not to their face, right? But as they're saying it, you're thinking, liar. Oh my gosh, I just got fired. No, 
but my point is you go, that's a lie. No, that's a lie. I don't receive that as truth. And what I said, it's this whole life is, is trading lies for truth, getting rid of the lies and saying, I take truth in this situation. And the closer you get to God, the more that you hear the proceeding word, what he says about you, you'll start to realize the truth of who you are. You'll get healing and wholeness and deliverance and preservation and safety. Salvation's flowing out and someone can say some nasty words to you and you go, that's not true. In fact, here's what happens. You start to get compassion for that person. And you go, wow, they need a hug. Well, maybe don't hug them because they got laws against that stuff now, right? Don't touch anybody ever. Just get on social media and rat them out. <laughs> the society, man, I love Facebook. Man, people do not know how to communicate anymore, do they? We're face-to-face. Oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know words. Can I have a keyboard? You ever seen people texting each other across the table at the restaurant? I told my wife to stop doing that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, she usually tells me, would you put your phone down? But we've learned to put our phones down and enjoy conversation together. It's amazing to talk to somebody. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have words and I can hear them. It's so cool. Anyway, that was my rant. So what are others saying about you? Number three, what are you saying to others? And this is really how this works. You know, we we first have to hear God. He initiates. He loves us first. We begin to love him and love others. And and then we're careful of what others say, what we allow into our ears from others. But at some point, it will turn around, and we have to ask this question, what am I saying to others? Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says this in verse 29, don't say anything that would hurt another person. Wow. Say wow. Wow. He says, instead, speak only what is good so that you can give help Look at this, wherever it is needed. That way, what you say will help those who hear you. It seems so simple, but how many could admit to themselves that there are times that you do say things that hurt others? Let me tell you something. The only reason that we say things hurtful is because we're hurting ourselves. Something in our soul. Maybe something we don't even realize or or know about yet, but the Holy Spirit will reveal those things. And again, it's uncomfortable. It's not always easy. But on the other side, when you start to act and react differently, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a relief. This is refreshing. I didn't go off on my husband when he said that. I didn't go off on my wife when she said that. I didn't go off on my kids when they acted that way. It's beautiful. There's freedom, right? And that's what Jesus came to show us and give us is freedom. Again, words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit, toxic or healing. Guess what? You can choose. So really, it comes down to this. There is power in our words. I was going over my notes this morning and just in prayer a little bit, and, and I remembered this, this saying when we were little, it was sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never lie. Man, there have been words in my life that have hurt me so deep that I didn't even realize that those words had stuck there. I didn't realize that I'm reacting out of those words. I've been in fist fights. It's been a couple weeks. I've been in, I've been in fist fights. You know, I, I've fallen off bikes and out of trees, and I've actually had, we, had, we would throw rocks at each other. What is wrong with boys, right? This is back when we would play outside. And we would get hurt and bumps and bruises. And those things heal. And you might even have a little scar, but they heal up, right? Those bruises. But words, oh my, 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 words. Will you close your eyes with me for just a moment? I think God wants us to get to a place where we're listening daily for the preceding word of God. What is God saying to you? What is he saying about you. Get to a place where we only accept life-giving words of truth from others. And a place where we learn to speak words that are healing and encouraging and words that help those who hear. But how do we do that? It's a journey. It's being open and honest. It's being transparent before God. It's finding brothers and sisters whom you can trust your stuff to because 
Some people just want to broadcast your stuff. Why? Because they got so much stuff, it makes them feel better about themselves. But God loves us. He cares for us. He wants to find those recesses in our soul where we're hurting, where we've got splinters, we have slivers, where things have festered in the bitterness and unforgiveness, where we have lies that tell us we're not worthy, we're not good enough, we're not okay, we don't measure up. You'll never do the right thing. But God's saying something different. He's speaking truth into your life. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your healing power. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed in our spirit, in our bodies, but also in our souls. Everyone just stand with me for a moment. With your eyes closed, I just want you to to think for a moment about what maybe God is saying to you. How does God see you? He sees you as righteous, as pleasing, as holy, as acceptable, as good. That's who you are today. He sees it in you. And he wants to trade out those lies that we believed about ourselves for truth. So if you will, for just a moment, just take your hand and place it on your head for just a moment. This isn't, you don't have to, but and just say this, mind. You are the mind of Christ. Self, God loves you. God cares for you. He wants the best for you. He's a good, good father. Now say it, make a personal say, God, you're my father. You love me. Please help me in those recesses of my soul to be open, to be honest, and transparent. And I thank you that you'll never put me down. You'll never leave me. You'll never look upon me in an abhorrent way because you love me. Thank you for healing. I receive it now in Jesus' name. Does anyone here today who's never made a decision for Jesus? It's real simple. It's saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you came to give me a better life. You've come to awaken who I really am in Christ. If you're here today and say, I want to make the decision, just quickly raise your hand. I thank you for every person here today who's made that decision. Maybe some who are still thinking this through. I just pray if anyone has wrong ideas, distorted pictures of who you are, Father, that they will continue to seek you and they will see that it's not like they thought it was. In fact, it's almost too good to be true. Your love and your grace towards us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.